Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Election College, Episode 316. Lyndon Baines Johnson, Part 3. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben, it's always fun to introduce the podcast, and it's always fun to make good on our promises and here we are well two weeks in a row yeah i mean remember the good old days when we did two episodes a week man i shouldn't have reminded people of that we still have that written somewhere probably somebody's gonna get on to us about that you know they can they can sue us if they want could they no probably not i don't oh. i don't think there's a judge that would take that case well greetings from florida <laughs> uh mr lego man Man, it has been all about Legos. We got, we got our f- now six-year-old, yeah, seven Lego sets. Wow. And then, because my wife finds them on sale, uh-huh. and last night as we were wrapping presents, she's like, I hate myself. <laughs> I hate us. What's What kind of precedent is this setting? But it was like, but you don't understand. After Christmas sales, they're so cheap. Right. And it's true. Yeah, I know. And it's like, well, what are we going to do? Just randomly give him Legos? No, we're not those people. We're the people who are like, you need to save up, buddy. Right. Did you clean the rabbit cage? <laughs> Earn your keep. This is this is our... This isn't a charity, know. kid. Yeah. This is the only time that we ever give him stuff. Right. So we give him stuff. He's like, I don't want to go to Legoland for my birthday. Oh. We're like... No, you were going to let go land. Well, then you bought you bought a season pass, didn't you? We did. Yeah. And we got a really good deal on it. And we're planning on did you know that there's a Legoland opening? Um Legoland New York. And it's like across from Scranton kind of. Like I did it's not, not in know New that. York City. Yeah. I'm sure I'll so, be there at some point soon. Yeah, it's opening July fourth. Okay. And then yeah, we have access to the one in California too. So Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure Legoland's going to give us a big paycheck for mentioning that. Oh, oh yeah, them on this. But <laughs> that's what they're known for, of course. Just <laughs> handing out is, money. Yeah, my kid's like, I got all the Legos I want here. Yeah. Uh, He's kind of right, because if you're six and you don't like for people to throw you around and stuff, uh-huh. riding on a roller coaster, it's not your thing. Yeah, that's got to be. That's got to be rough. You know, you and Melissa both like Legos or uh, roller coasters, right? I I could do without them. Oh, okay. But I'll ride them. Yeah. And we put them on one and he's like, why am I doing this? (laughs) (laughs) So we were just like, 
yeah no and then we took him through the ninja thing and it's this virtual reality like not virtual reality but like 3d uh-huh it was intense yeah did he like yeah. it no no <laughs> he was poor guy and i'm serious like it was scary like you go into the snake just about bite your head off and then you're seeing all these lego guys get their heads chopped off and stuff oh man it was it, i mean for me you know i'm 43 and i kind of wanted to cry a little bit <laughs> but anyway yeah. um we survived and he's in there right now it's 9 30 at night and he's not going to go to sleep anytime soon because we gave him ice cream and cake for breakfast lunch and dinner right it's his birthday you have to yeah and we got more legos at legoland of course and Did, yeah yeah go ahead did they have any uh legos shaped like lyndon baines johnson no but their mini city display of washington dc is amazing really it's friggin' awesome Hey, I saw you posted on Facebook a picture of Chewbacca in the trash, <laughs> and it looked like a Lego Chewbacca. It was. Why did they throw I, Chewbacca in the trash? I got like two likes on that post. I'm like, people, this is hilarious. I don't understand. Was... That's got to be like $1,000 worth of Legos. Yeah. I don't think it was in the trash. Oh. I think it was just like it was going off display or something. Uh-huh. Probably because, you know, they have the Star Wars uh, display. Right. And it they must be taking it offline because there must be another Lego movie or something like that coming on. Uh-huh. So they just kind of, they had all their Christmas stuff stored away. And there's Chewbacca laying on his back. <laughs> and I just said, somebody's having a rough day. And maybe I should have tagged Legoland or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. But usually on my posts, you know, I get a good number of likes because I don't post a whole lot. I got like four likes. Like people, this is hilarious. Chewbacca. Well, my wife saw it and she was like, what is this? And I was like, that's Legos for sure. She's like, no, it's not. I'm like, what else looks like that? Those are Legos. That's Legos. That's Lego Chewbacca. Why is it in the trash? You got to post that in the the group on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if people would be interested in that. Yeah. I I don't know if they would be or not, but hey, we're talking about it on the show. So they got to be. We got a couple of new people in the group and people who are hanging in there with us. Thank you. And engage with us. We're, we're around. It's just, we've got jobs, cities to run, RVs to go to shuffleboard tournaments. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I got, I got some dirty looks the other day from some seniors when I was backing in the RV because I'm still learning. Yeah. Well, it takes time. It's hard. I understand. Um, if I were driving an RV attached to a pickup truck, I would probably need a little bit of time myself. Yeah. Yeah. I've cried a few times. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Lennon Maines Johnson, he gets reelected, and that's where we leave off. Uh, 1964, he pretty much destroys Barry Goldwater. Yeah. It was 486 in the Electoral College to 52. Johnson wins 44 states. And I think at that time, like in the 60s, like five people lived in Arizona. And like, you know. Right. It was Barry Goldwater's <laughs> mom and a couple other people voted for him and he won Arizona. Is is that the biggest uh, off uh, upset 
Like, has there been one that was more lopsided than that? Uh, just off the top of my head, I remember when Reagan yes. defeated Mondale. That was crazy because it was Minnesota. Right. Like, Mondale's state. And that was it. Right. And well, probably DC. But yeah, it was like crazy. But yeah, it was a big, big win for Johnson. He says that he's going to carry forward the plans of JFK, uh, not because we should feel sorry uh, or because we feel horrible still that he was assassinated, but because they are, quote, right. Yeah, so he continues to kind of move some of those things forward. We talked last episode about how he kept a lot of the same people around, including Robert F. Kennedy, who then, you know, got up and left a little while later. And he really sets to work on civil rights and the Voting Rights Act and things like that, that are not only, you know, very popular, but like he says, are right. And so that really gains him a lot of goodwill. It's also during his second term uh, that Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated, of course. And so that is a large um, topic around his presidency, uh, as well as, you know, the fact that civil rights and voting rights are moving forward so much. Um, but of course, there was that un unfortunate event that happened as well. It creates a lot of civil unrest. And so he really has a lot to deal with there. Yeah. It's, interestingly enough, in the middle or in the midst of all the tumult, he nominates Thurgood Marshall to the Supreme Court in 1967. And it was, the tide had changed so much. Now, that's legislatively, I realized that that did not end racial tension. But when you consider where the country was just a few years prior to that, and then here we've got an African-American uh, justice. Sure, yeah. That's really cool. Absolutely. And... Have we had – how big of a gap? I mean, I think since then we've had a, a, at least a minority justice on, like, continuously, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you consider Marshall was on the Supreme Court for a long, long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Clarence Thomas. Right. With, there should have been some overlap there. Again, just talking off the top of my head. Right. But, yeah. That continued, of course, and uh, of course we have, still have a lot of racial tension in the United States, but that time period can't be underestimated for what it did, legislatively at least, for those racial tensions. And that's something Jason and I can't really talk about a whole lot, because we're both really, really, really white. Very. So we have little knowledge of how those things um, work as far as a first-person perspective, but we're happy for the people who helped move things forward. Yeah, and LBJ, uh, back to him, another white guy. Yeah. Um, he was a firm believer that education was the way to get rid of ignorance and poverty. And he says that education is the essential component of the American dream. And he thought that this great society agenda, uh, which had an emphasis on helping the disadvantaged, the the financially uh, disenfranchised, those who um, may not have an opportunity to pull themselves out of poverty. Well, the answer is education. 
And so he introduces this bill called the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965. And this bill seeks to double federal spending on education. That's from $4 billion to $8 billion. And it passes the House overwhelmingly, 263 to 153. But then it passes in the Senate by an even wider margin, 73 to 8. It doesn't even go through a committee. It's just introduced into the Senate. And yeah, there's a lot of money from the now ever-expanding federal government to education. Man, $8 billion in 1960-whatever compared to $8 billion now, that's that's a lot more money than $8 billion is now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Crazy amount of money. Uh, He also uh, supports some of these things that we just take for granted now, Uh, the Public Broadcasting Act, Mm -hmm. uh, where educational television uh, is now supplementing uh, programs that broadcast networks are not providing uh, educational programming, especially to children. Um, In 1965, he sets up the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts. Uh, He's going all about beefing up the education, the war on poverty. Uh, he's He's really spearheading economic opportunity act um which gives uh money to programs uh, like head start and food stamps and work study uh national poverty does decline significantly uh the percentage of americans who lived below the poverty line went from 23 to 12 percent yeah and don't forget about uh things like medicaid um which went through during this time period and uh, another little bit of history president harry truman and his wife bess were the first ones to receive medicare cards um after the bill was passed so taking care of the former president and his wife as well uh there was also a lot of a lot of movement in the area of transportation you know we see a lot of our the, the national ways of getting around the roads and stuff happen or at least get set into motion during this time and be improved. The space administration, the space program, the space administration is different than the space program, of course. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the space program is going through a lot of different things at this point. Of course, you know, we just gone to the moon. Um, Apollo one is a disaster, of course. Uh, and you see a lot of different Apollos happen after that, up until the the launch in 1969, where the first moon landing happens, Apollo 11. And Johnson was there to witness that launch as well. Ben. Yeah. Something exciting happened earlier this week. Okay. There was a rocket launch in uh, Florida. Yeah? And you I missed it? I saw it. Oh, you saw it? No. I saw it. Didn't you miss one the week before? Yes. Yeah. Well, a couple weeks before. Yeah. All my life. That's awesome. That's like my number one ambition. And I mean, I was far away, but my wife's uncle sends me a message and says, Jason, it's happening tonight. And so I go out and I'm, I don't know which direction is east or west. Uh-huh. And I saw it off in the distance. Wow. That's there it cool. was. What? It was the SpaceX thing. Oh, the SpaceX. Was it, didn't, isn't that the one that, that crashed a couple weeks before? 
Well, did, that one didn't crash. Not the it same just didn't thing. get into the right orbit. Oh, okay. But this one is the one that was like going to set up 60 satellites uh-huh. that's going to give us internet wow. everywhere. But, oh my goodness, I saw it from a distance. I freaked out. And now I can say that I have seen a rocket. For those of you who have maybe this is your first episode of ever listening, I that was my main goal in life was to see the space shuttle take off. And I, there's just a I just leave behind a trail of missing rocket launches, <laughs> like being in Walmart when it happens or yeah. waking up a half an hour after the fact. This one I saw. So, Jason, now that your main goal and ambition in life mm-hmm. has been accomplished, what do you do? It was to see an alligator in Florida. Uh-huh. Which you did? Yeah. Yeah. And now, you, looking, now you have no more for something else. <laughs> we saw an alligator in Florida when, when you and I were in Florida together. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Another I wanted one. to see one this trip, and we yeah. did. Nice. So I have no idea what the next thing is. Well, you've got some time to figure it out, hopefully. Maybe to back in my RV correctly the first time. <laughs> you also have to remember about LBJ that the Vietnam War is going on. And he is kind of, I mean, it's already going on when he gets into office. Or at least it's, you know, tensions have started for sure. JFK had ordered to withdraw some of the military personnel um, about one sixteenth of what were there at that point. And Johnson basically reverses that decision and says, no, we're going to keep him there. And then continues to expand the number of troops that are in Vietnam. And that continues on throughout his, throughout his term. Yeah. Interestingly enough, you know, there's this uh, situation where it looks like LBJ is saying one thing at his press conferences, but acting on another. And interestingly enough, the Democratic governor of Missouri, uh, Warren Hearns, said that, you know what, there, there's kind of a gap here between what you're saying and what you're doing. Uh-huh. You're going to lose Missouri if you don't make some changes. Yeah. And Johnson just throws more money at, <laughs> right. at everything. He's like, okay, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Vietnam is quite possibly one of the most controversial international conflicts that we have found ourselves in. We're a presidential history podcast, and so lots of opinions uh, there. But it goes kind of without saying that no matter how you feel about the Vietnam War, it's going to have an adverse effect on LBJ and the Democrats' chances of winning in 1968. You've got protesters uh, chanting, hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids did you kill today? And with that mounting pressure, he decides that, no, I'm not going to run for election. It's just, it's not prudent at this time. It's kind Mm -hmm. of a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And with him not running, you've got a uh, a lot of people stepping up who are really interested in running. Of course, on the uh, the next episode, we'll talk about who those people are and about them, but it's rare that a president is able to run another uh, another term and that they don't. Very rare. I, actually, yeah. I'd like to look and see how many times that's actually happened. Yeah. I mean, not very. I don't think so. <laughs> not, yeah. not very many. As a matter of but fact, he... I don't think many politicians who are able to run for another term don't run. Yeah, true that. Yeah. 
Uh, he withdraws from the limelight. He gets on the plane back to Texas. Front door of the plane closes. He pulls out a cigarette. And this is the first cigarette that he had smoked since his heart attack in 1955. One of his daughters says, Daddy, hey, what are you doing? You're going to kill yourself. And he says, I've been president now, and now's my time. So he just kind of falls into a pit after his presidency. Yeah, so he gets out of office. He gains uh, a considerable amount of weight. Uh, He starts smoking again after having not smoked for a very long time. And then he has a second heart attack while he's visiting his daughter in Virginia. And they determine that, you know, things are getting pretty bad. He's doing pretty badly uh, after that fact. They want him to have some different surgeries, but ends up he has a terminal heart condition at this point. And the president was really not well enough at that point to have undergone that surgery. So he chooses, or they choose for him, not to. He ends up passing away in uh, on January 22nd of 1973, and he has a funeral where he is laid in state in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. Jason, this is always, it's always weird to me, the U.S. Capitol. I know you've been there for a funeral, and you've also been there for not a funeral, but it's always so weird to me when I see the U.S. Capitol and then I see pictures of someone lying in state at the, at, in the rotunda. It just seems like such a different place. Like, there's obviously a different mood and a different atmosphere there. It's very somber, of course. Yeah, and there is that difference. And, you know, you you hear the echoes of the voices in the rotunda when, you know, normal day-to-day life. You hear the bickering uh, on national TV, on the news networks. You know, you see the columns inside you see some of these familiar things and it's just the nasty politics of the day. And then there's this dignity of a life lived uh, in service to our country at these state funerals, something else. And then another thing that strikes me is just that continuity, Uh how it still looks the same. It looks like this picture that we have of Johnson lying in state in the rotunda looks like it could have been, taken earlier today and one one thing about the capital that has struck me over and over again when i when i see pictures through history is you look at a picture of the house of representatives in the 1860s the chamber looks so similar right the same paintings on the walls right it's it's amazing it's also worth noting jason that uh, the funeral and the everything is, are happening two days after an inauguration, uh, Nixon's second inauguration. And so a lot of the things that were supposed to happen during that week get canceled. Uh, the ceremonies for the inauguration get canceled, not the actual inauguration, of course, but um, to allow for a full state funeral, because, of course, you want to have a former president lying in state and everything like that. So that's an interesting piece as well, that uh, the timing just was just so that it, a lot of things had to be switched around. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. How so many emotions, so many things, <laughs> as far as the inauguration of a president, the burying of a president. I think it's interesting that this is one of the few times in our history that there is no 
former living president alive. It's kind of a weird feeling. Just that you wouldn't have any former presidents, that Nixon is the only person alive who can say that they are or have been the president of the United States. Yeah, that's got to be kind of lonely. That's that's a very good point. Uh, You don't have anybody to call up and ask for advice. Not that I'm sure that they do that anyway, but it's at least nice to know there's somebody else who's been through what you've been through. You should read that book, The President's Club. It's really interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. Uh, We hopefully will start up our next series on the next topic (laughs) very soon. And we hope you'll come along with us. Go ahead and jump into that Facebook group. It's electioncollege.com slash group, I think, is still the address. Uh, If not, just search on on Facebook for Election College group. And uh, make sure to check out that picture of Chewbacca laying in the trash. (laughs) Lego Chewbacca. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.